Thank you for listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. If you'd like to contact the sports department, please email us at sports at WCBN.org or call the station at 734-763-3500. Pass comes forward. Here's Hensick. Now to Kalorik. He's behind the defense. He's in. Shot and score. Chad Kalorik out of the penalty box gives the Wolverines a 4-0 lead. This is war to extermination. Fight cell by cell through bodies and mind screens of the earth. Souls rotten from the orgasm drug. Flesh shuddering from the ovens. Prisoners of the earth come out. Storm the studio. Burnt metal smell of interplanetary war in the raw noon streets, swept by screaming glass blizzards of enemy flak. Shift lingles, free doorways, cut word lines, photo falling. Towers, open fire. Citizen, you are listening to WCBN FM in Ann Arbor. Tilt, blast, pound, stab, strap, kill. Pilot K-9, you are cut off. Back. Return to base immediately. Ride music beam back to base. Stay out of that time, Flack. All pilots, ride pan pipes back to base. Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And a kind of hodgepodge week of all sorts of... The usual weird events, and I don't know what a bizarre country we live in. I guess I'll start off with the uh, Rutgers uh, suicide story. To me, this is just a horrible thing. Um, I think there's a great deal of confusion in this modern communication age about, uh, you know, what what, what are the proper bounds of privacy, and how ironic that this would... uh, this event would happen in the week in which this movie about Facebook came out. Uh, uh, and people, of course, are throwing out all sorts of detailed personal informations out to the Internet, which yeah, and, some people are exploiting. Yeah, many people seem willing to surrender yeah. traditional bounds of uh, privacy. And it might be nice if uh, instead of uh, allowing our political discourse to continue to uh, degenerate into the sewer... Uh, with Twitters and tweets and all this other rubbish that's going on. You know, here you have a uh, a Senate candidate, O'Donnell in Delaware, who's pretty much been exposed as a complete fraud, who's avoiding the media completely and pretending that none of these controversies uh, exist and is sending... La, 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 I can't hear you. Yes. Here's plugged. <laughs> is sending all of her campaign appearances by uh, video clip. Uh, this is scary. This is 1984 and... Uh, Big Brother, in a in a twisted sort of way, in which there are TV screens everywhere monitoring what everyone's doing. When you read more and more about governments all across the uh, the globe adding additional surveillance cameras everywhere, including China, Britain, and the United States. Well, to campaign via you know a webcam from the seclusion of your own home really is saying that I'm not capable of thinking on my feet, of responding intellectually to questions which are posed to me by people standing right in front of me. And there's the real disconnect between this, the intrapersonal aspect of communication rather than simply, I tweeted it, 
I recorded myself saying it. You watch the clip. That's not discourse. Yeah. And, of course, setting up a webcam to record sexual relations that a roommate's having, somebody you barely know, and then broadcasting that over the Internet. That's just bizarre bordering on criminal uh, well i think probably those people will in all likelihood not just face criminal charges but face some sort of punishment for that yeah. i mean that's a serious intrusion and obviously you know not all the facts are in and you know we have a uh, criminal justice system that uh, works in mysterious ways as uh, many of many of the white collar criminals over the past de decade have discovered many of them can get uh get off on technicalities uh, all sorts of things and uh this is just very troubling and then here at the University of Michigan you have a elected official in the state right. of Michigan this lunatic going after a I don't know, the president of the MSA who's... Openly gay. Openly gay, and he's making all sorts of bizarre allegations about him. Sounds and, to me like the uh, borderline stalker maybe kind of wanted to be invited to the gay parties. Who <laughs> he knows? He seems so obsessed with it. It's, I mean, that's the other side of this, too, is that it's tragic that at this point of the 21st century that anybody still cares about a person's individual sexual liberties. Yeah. I mean, it's really nobody's business, and... Uh, why should anyone care? Yeah, and obviously cyberbullying and, and young people are vulnerable, uh, you know, in, in sort of delicate uh, stages of their, uh, shall we say, intellectual, emotional, psychological growth to have something like this out on. It would be devastating. The Internet is, is obviously a devastating hu humiliation, and obviously there were probably some other issues involved here, but... Uh, uh, I don't know. This, this this sort of stuff is just wrong, and uh, I don't know what needs to be done. I you know I keep saying that this country needs to take a couple of steps back before it can figure out how it's going forward. I the uh, I think that the debate about where the economy is going, for instance, is just mired in. Pardon the expression. 20th century and 18th century debates about economics, mm. and uh, there is, you know, two public officials that are actually constructively talking about the seriousness of where we're really at that I've heard interviewed recently over the last couple of weeks because they've released books uh, on uh, economics are former OMB director of the Reagan administration, David Stockman, oh, yeah. and Robert Reich, uh, who's talking about structural problems in the American economy. There has to be some new thinking in the United States. There has to be some perestroika, <laughs> some glasnost. Uh, uh, and whatever happened to the peace dividend? Well, we know what happened to the peace dividend. Yeah, the peace dividend and just failing to understand the budget. When you have the uh, Republican Party openly um, producing a document called the Pledge that doesn't really address any of the substantive budget spending cuts that they're vaguely advocating of uh, perpetrating, assuming they get into power, and I think that is a big assumption... It has about as much to say as a spray can of lemon pledge. Yeah, exactly. It's a veneer. It's a glossy polish with a fresh lemon scent, which offers nothing. And ironically that you said that, a lemon pledge, because that's exactly what <laughs> Keith Oberman uh, called it. He called it the lemon oh, pledge. Oh, really? Okay. The lemon pledge pledge <laughs> of nothingness. And, of course, uh, one of the 
you know, one of the leaders of the movement, so to speak, is fascinating. John Boehner, who has represented Ohio for quite some time. This is uh, what is so troubling about our country. It says, according to a CBS New York Times poll recently, about 7 in 10 Ohio voters expressed no opinion about Mr. Boehner, either favorable or unfavorable, including most Republican voters. He's the majority, uh, the minority leader in the House who hopes to take over. It then goes on to note, by the way, that uh, regarding uh, Ms. Pelosi, who's the Speaker of the House, in which there's been, of course, all sorts of symbolic and uh, attack ads directed towards her, it's interesting, 43% of Ohio uh, voters expressed an unfavorable opinion of Ms. Pelosi, while just 13% expressed a favorable opinion of her. But at least they seem to have an opinion of her. Well, that's television. Right, yeah. Television ads, and it's very troubling when you read and keep hearing about all of this outside money, corporate money that's being dumped into tight house races all across the country, you know, toss-up house races, uh, in which incredible quantities of outside money, which, of course, is how O'Donnell and Joe Miller won their uh, nominations, uh, more troubling still. And this is connected to the Citizens United Supreme Court mm-hmm. um, ruling from earlier this year, a 5-4 to four ruling that actually should more appropriately be called Corporations United. <laughs> It's not citizens. It's corporations bamboozling the public and even the, quote, activists, the, the, the grassroots people who think they're uh, behind some greater movement. Uh, must be a bowel movement of some sort. Well, but it's very troubling when you start looking underneath the, the details. And, of course, anonymous uh, donations are now permitted as well. Which is always uh, sort of an invitation for mischief and abuse, you would think, if you're willing to advocate a particular view or candidate or opinion with your dollars. It's like publishing an opinion anonymously. It sort of renders it invalid as an opinion if you don't feel strongly enough about it to attach your actual name to it. Yeah. Um, Money is speech and corporations are people. Uh, This is the brave new world that the United States of America finds itself in, and I dare say that at some point, uh, maybe the first move of the new Congress should be, let's drop the United from the name, (laughs) because this country is not united in in anything, really, anymore. Um, It's, uh, I don't know, it's a troubling feeling about everything that's going on. I, I don't think that... As I I pointed out a couple weeks ago, even if the Tea Party uh, runs the table in all of the Senate races, they're only going to pick up a net gain of three, and O'Donnell appears to be a almost guaranteed loser given her uh, various problems, uh, including... uh, But she's got money. She's got outside money. Never mind that her resume and fraud and all sorts of other stuff has been going on uh, that put her in the position she's in. She's... uh, Hiding in the bushes. 
Well, one of the big novelty news items today is that in Brazilian elections, a uh, circus clown yeah. has been elected to Congress. And I thought, well, there's nothing novel or unusual about that. We've sadly been doing that for decades here. Send in the clowns. <laughs> Our previous occupant of the White House was a poorly qualified clown. Send in the clowns. Don't bother. They're already here. <laughs> already here. here. Yes, yes. Uh, no doubt. And, of course... Much of the talk over the weekend was about Rahm Emanuel. Mm. What's the big discussion? They're talking about a mayor race two years from now. It's or maybe it's next year. I don't know, but it's it's not even this year. You know, he's going to run for mayor of Chicago, and Rahm Emanuel obviously is a significant uh, uh, historical figure. He was a uh, an aide in the Clinton White House, and he, when he joined the House of Representatives, he's the one that orchestrated the blue dog Democrat, let's take over Congress uh, movement that succeeded in 2006 and 2008. Uh, he has a certain Machiavellian genius uh, behind him, and he's a bright man. Um, but obviously, uh, it's those blue dog Democrats that are most vulnerable in the uh, in the House of Representatives. Very interesting map, by the way, in Sunday's New York Times uh, main section of the newspaper showing the current predicament and situation involving the Senate and the House. And uh, uh, once again, you know, I want to talk about the latitude between Delaware and Nevada. That's where the key Senate races are. And in the House, what's uh, sort of fascinating and emerging to me is the new uh, geography. Uh, you got to look at the Ohio River and the Great Lakes. This is where the battles, this is where the toss-ups are all at. This is where the, the close races are, for the most part, going to be. And uh, needless to say, you will see a lot of outside money being dumped into, the, into campaigns. Of course, in Michigan, the only uh, real toss-up race is in the 7th Congressional District between uh, Wahlberg and... Um, Oh, I'm forgetting the the current Democrat that actually holds the seat. It's a rematch of the last election. But incredible quantities of money are being spent in that race. And the media is once again misreporting uh, the results from the past. Voter turnout has been incredibly low. They just noted that in New York uh, primaries, uh, 13% of Democrats showed up, 16% of Republicans. This is who's determining these uh, these elections. And it's, it's coming down to money more than anything, not incumbency, not uh, so much anti-Washington as uh, they like to predict. Uh, it's, it's really coming down, follow the money, the old Watergate thing. Right. And I guess one final comment, I'll give a brain damage award to John Cornyn. He said, uh, we have no uh, Republican incumbent senators vulnerable. Well, <laughs> dude, you already lost two seats to Republican incumbents. Um, I think he's, I mean, they're going to be replaced by other, actually, technically, they've only lost one seat, but could, because um, Lisa Murkowski is um, uh, running as a write-in, but uh, I, I, I don't know how he can say that. They, <laughs> they've already lost two incumbents, technically. Um, we'll see what happens in the three-way race in Alaska, but uh, to say that no incumbents have been defeated is... It's already rewriting uh, history that's already happened. Well, to quickly go back to that statistic you had a few minutes ago there, about 50% of Republicans in Ohio have no opinion of John Biner. 70%. 70%. Well, well that, no, that's of the electorate. Of the electorate. But a majority of Republicans, yeah. yeah. 
you know, those are people who identify for poll taking and survey purposes and probably more often than not in the voting booth as Republicans. But if they don't have any opinion at all, then they're not really thinking as I'm a party guy, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm Republican candidate because you're going to have an opinion about your party candidate. And so, uh, I mean, this is partly uh, a reflection of the fact that turnout is so low in these elections. And, uh, you know, this country likes to pat itself on the back as, you know, one of the the oldest democracies, certainly. India, of course, trumps us in numbers for the biggest democracy. But uh, it's about participation. As you humorously pointed out a couple of weeks ago, a week I was gone, that uh, uh, Ann Arbor has a higher uh, voting uh, you know, no turnout than uh, the number of people who voted for what is it, the Delaware primary? Yeah, roughly. And uh, and yet we don't get a senator here in Ann Arbor. So. No, it's, it's, uh, or, or it's yeah it's higher turnout than the number of votes that that uh, Christine O'Donnell got O'Donnell, in, in, right. in her uh, Senate race. But uh, yeah, you it's know, it's the in- lowest level of participation imaginable just mm-hmm. to simply show up and vote yeah and uh, people don't do it of course if it were a national holiday which some on the progressive end of the spectrum have been arguing for years it should be a, a national holiday where everybody has the day off and can afford to fit that into their day yeah and early voting by the way i think actually officially starts tomorrow in some states uh today by the way was the last day you can be uh to register to vote in Michigan, it was encouraging to hear from the uh, Michigan Secretary of State that uh, she put it, uh, 96% of eligible voters in Michigan are registered. That's a very high number. But uh, how many people show up on Election Day uh, in uh, 29 days is going to be another question uh, altogether. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, Turkey, uh, just a couple months, a couple weeks ago, had a a national referendum on their constitution, and I I heard on the BBC that 70% of Turks voted. America is slipping in so many ways, but uh, when you begin looking at these... these to be outdone in democracy by Turkey, yeah, it's a little embarrassing. V- very troubling, but as one uh, scientist put it, that's unfortunately where we're at in science IQ. Mm. And... Uh, you know, when 22% of Americans, as the Harper's Index uh, once noted, think that dinosaurs and humans cohabited on the planet. Uh, NASA, we've got a problem. So, yeah, well, so many people rely entirely on uh, television for information. I mean, the amount of... People who read, you mentioned these economics who have new books and are talking as needs to be done about systematic analysis, uh, approaches to reconsidering where the future of the country lies. Um, People don't read that much anymore. The internet has people very distracted. And, uh, you know, this is not an attack on the internet. Certainly it's a valuable tool. But when you look at the way that people sort of fritter away the valuable hours of the day, in yet another sort of, you know, quasi-entertainment option. Um, and, of course, there's valuable news and information on the uh, Internet as well, but the reading of books is uh, falling away. Well, and, and and getting back to where we sort of started here regarding the Internet and privacy, you know, uh, I heard an interesting controversy in Germany recently about 
Google Earth and, you know, photographs of, of houses in which webcams are basically focused on people's homes mm. and, the, and the move, you know, and, and you're not, you don't have any control over this. This is, is not doing no evil. This is, this is the personification of evil. <laughs> There's just a lot of stuff that we don't need to know. Right. Um, we certainly don't need to know anything about Christine O'Donnell's expertise on masturbation. <laughs> Though I suspect that there's a TV program out there. She's in got the TV written all somewhere. over her. I think yeah. her and um, Palin, who's building a TV studio in her home. So she'll never have to leave and face the cold, hard world and the lamestream media. There you go. I, I think they can do a sort of a female version of uh, the mini-me. And, you know, that as far as that lamestream media is concerned, I mean, she uh, personifies everything that is worst about the mainstream media. Yeah. I mean, in a nutshell. And they do mean nutshell. Yeah, she's uh, in the nutshell, waiting to... Shallow, superficial, ill-informed, uh, gratuitous, you know, self-important. But hopefully she'll continue to run her Senate campaign from a webcam somewhere in an undisclosed location with Dick Cheney... Scurrying in the background. <laughs> pulling the strings, telling her what to say, how to say it. And keep denying. I mean, it, you know, once you've been caught in repeated lies about all sorts of things, <laughs> I guess you just got to keep lying. But unfortunately, in the in the world we live in, that makes her perfectly qualified <laughs> to be a, a politician uh, here in the United States of America. And as for Alaska, it's always good to note a, a weird item or two from Alaska. It says tens of thousands of walruses have come ashore in the northwest Alaska area because the sea ice they normally rest on during the summer has melted. Uh, this uh, from just two weeks ago. AP. Uh, the move to shore also occurred in 2007 and 2009 when Arctic sea ice was also at or near record low levels. Scientists with two federal agencies are most concerned about the one-ton female walruses stampeding and crushing one another and their smaller calves near the Point Lay on the Chukchika Sea. The Fish and Wildlife Service is trying to change airplane flight patterns to avoid spooking the animals. Loss of the sea ice in the Chukchi Sea this summer has surprised scientists because last winter lots of old established sea ice floated into the region. Ah, but there's absolutely no evidence whatsoever of global warming. Just ask Dr. Science. <laughs> he knows more than you. And Rush Limbaugh knows very little at all. Uh, well, one of the sort of borderline uh, stories last week that was uh, intriguing to me was the rumors and ripples from North Korea about the ascension of... Kim Jong-il's son. Oh, yes. The mysterious son. And I've been a Daffy Duck fan since childhood, so I sort of look on the Kim Jong-il saga as a sort of a cartoonish nightmare, uh, certainly for the people of North Korea. But uh, just a bizarre spectacle of, of everything that's ridiculous in a totalitarian regime. But, of course, 
So little is known about the sun, who is referred to repeatedly in the articles as the third known sun of Kim Jong-il. Once, by the way, of course, uh, mistakenly referred to by the late, great Senator Jesse Helms, who at the time was uh, chair of the Foreign Relations Committee, Kim Jong the third. Kim Jong-il's third known son, Kim Jong-un, uh, had a rapid ascension to four-star general last week. Yes, I heard about and, that. And uh, to uh, seal the deal, uh, Kim Jong-il also named his sister a four-star general. He obviously attended the uh, University of Oxford, Fairlane Dickinson, and Princeton University <laughs> in some sort of order. Well, uh, according to uh, a... Uh, person who studies the uh, Korean uh, situation, Choi Chun-Hume, a senior research fellow at the Korea Institute of National Unification, he suggests that while possibly uh, granting a title to his only sister, Kim Jong-il is trying to signal that he is prioritizing the army. Well, I don't really know Korea's ins and outs as well as this guy does, but it seems to me that if I were in the Korean army as an apparatchik or as a general, I might be insulted that this guy's sister, who was very powerful and his only known true confidant. Uh, Kim think Jong-il. think of Madame Nu. Yeah. Uh, Kim Jong-il has uh, been for, for years and only trusts this uh, little sister of his uh, that... Uh, I think I might be a little ticked off if I were in the North Korean army that uh, suddenly this... Four-star general is outranking me, but this is by no means a done deal. The uh, sort of secondary position that the son of Kim Jong-il has been given is just sort of training ground uh, station. Uh, He's in very poor health, and the the country is a a nightmare in almost every possible way, besides the political oppression and famine and flooding and uh, all sorts of military misappropriation. Well, yeah, and they don't even have power. I mean, they were characterized by our last president as part of the axis of evil, but unfortunately it's quite clear they were door number three. And, you know, yeah, I mean, how evil can a country be if the people don't even have electric appliances they can use? They've had a couple of nuclear uh, tests and so forth. But uh, there's uh, perhaps another Fox reality show waiting to happen here because the sister of uh, Kim Jong-il's Moscow-educated has a strong personality, even defying Kim Il-sung, her father, and the founder of the Pyongyang regime. He's still known in North Korea as the eternal president. Um, she rebelled against her father by uh, striking up a student romance with Chang Sung Taek, then only the leader of a music group. Uh, he's now the second uh, most powerful military man in North Korea. So, well, by golly, why do that when Christine O'Donnell is obviously available? She's <laughs> determined that she's the chosen one. Uh, I, I heard some rumin. Uh, some ruminations from her uh, Senate campaign that God has uh, decided that she should be a senator. Um, and Not a registered voter, by the way. Yeah. An omnipotent creator of the universe in the minds of many, but not a registered voter. And since North Korea is always the mouse that roars uh, from time to time, Indeed. always seeking attention. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just the ultimate cult of personality. It's even hard to call them a communist country. They're really just sort of a 
totalitarian um, dictatorship with mice <laughs> with brains running around. And apparently the uh, it's a low class criminal enterprise, basically, is what it is. The sized as a country. Yeah. The scientists that have uh, that are experimenting with, uh, you know, stem cell research that are creating mice with human <laughs> brains have obviously succeeded in North Korea. Um, well, it, you know, and, and to be serious about North Korea, the, the real tragedy is is that in the late years of the second Clinton administration, there was very tangible progress yeah. being made towards a rapprochement of North and South. Rapprochement because what the what the American Long government overdue. did constructively for a change was they sort of stepped aside and allowed the leaders of South Korea to uh, lead the charge on this because the. Uh, uh, I think his name was No Tae-woo, uh, the prime minister of South Korea at the time, was willing t mm -hmm. for an, a legitimate rapprochement. There were some actual high-level contacts. There were some relative uh, visits and whatnot uh, that uh, still continue. And uh, that, at the end of the day, is going to be the uh, solution of the Korean uh, problem. Uh, there is, by the way, no official peace treaty on the Korean War. Oh, it's still the DMZ and still at least 50,000 U.S. troops. Yeah, and the North Korean regime, uh, to put it mildly, uh, still thinks the Korean War is going on. Um, unfortunately, it isn't, even though... Even the folks from MASH got to come home. Even they got to come home. <laughs> Although, the mice with human brains remain. I'm... I'm uh... I'm, I'm, uh, I dare say, and uh, so hopefully, I don't know that. Yeah, the whole story of even his ascension to uh, the leadership role of North Korea is bizarre in and of itself. As you'll recall, the oldest son, who was originally the chosen one, uh, turned out to be a bit of a womanizer, gambler, and drinker, and apparently can be seen at uh, uh, craps tables in Macau, uh, gambling away and drinking away his life. The middle son was deemed too effeminate uh, okay. by Kim Jong-il <laughs> to uh, be the, the leader. So uh, door number three became the, the last option. And I don't know if he has any sons beyond, uh, beyond that, but uh, who knows? Maybe Jeb. <laughs> Kim Je Jong-Jeb. Jeb Bush. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't m mention Jeb too often because I keep fearing that, that he will uh, be the Republican nominee in 2012, uh, given their hapless uh, array of candidates. We wanted to thank Andrew for engineering this evening. Uh, Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly right here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor, so do stay tuned. Continue to, uh, what do you got there? Well, uh, interesting news out of a series of stories uh, involving India. Uh, a little troubling here. Um, Washington pins hopes on Indian fighter deal. Uh, according to Edward Luce and James Lamont, writing in this weekend's edition of the Financial Times, uh, both the... Uh, Department of State and the Department of Defense are pressing the Indian Defense Minister to opt for U.S. bids to supply more than 100 multi-combat fighter aircraft to India. The project, worth up to $11 billion, is the world's largest pending military hardware deal. Of course, last week we talked about the uh, Arab states of the Persian Gulf sinking $123 billion into 
arms purchases. And while, yes, the U.S. economy is beleaguered and, yes, these are jobs, this is long-term instability uh, being created here by these massive uh, transactions of weaponry. And this is an astonishing sales pitch from an undersecretary of the Department of State. He says, quote, We think we have the finest military hardware in the world, and if India is upgrading its defense capabilities, they should buy American. What? That's the State Department saying that? Yeah. Come on, that's the Defense Department's pitch. They're the ones with all the lucrative hookups to the military-industrial complex. Uh, is this really what we've come to as a nation?